You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. We're in Acts chapter 15. And this chapter deals with people in the church having disagreements. That's something that we still experience today. And it's one reason why you can drive around just here in Springdale, tiny town, and there's a church on every corner, practically. And a lot of that's because the people had disagreements. You know, there's always going to be conflict between people you have in your own families, but it's when you resolve the conflict because you love each other. If you ignore and don't want to resolve the conflict, then there's going to be a problem. And here in chapter 15, we're going to see where there is a serious conflict. Now, back in chapter 6 of Acts, we saw that there was a conflict in the church there about how to serve the widows. You had the Hellenistic Jews that thought one thing, and then you had the Jews that thought another way. But the conflict was resolved. It was fixed because they wanted to fix it. They allowed God to work in that way. But Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that there are carnal conflicts that come up in a church. He says, you're still controlled by your sinful nature. I'm 1 Corinthians 3 verses 3. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with one another. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? And then sometimes the division is over doctrinal issues. Jude, Jude not chapter, but Jude, verses 3 through 4. Dear friends, I've been eagerly awaiting to write you about the salvation we all share But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time for His holy people. And I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Two types of conflict, two types of problems. If someone blatantly denies one of the pillars of the gospel, are we going to say that it doesn't matter? Or are we going to say, as long as we love one another, that's, we'll just agree to disagree? That's not love at all. The loving thing to do is to speak truth in love. That's what we're taught to do in Scripture. Speak the truth in love. So here in Acts 15, there's going to be a disagreement over the most important thing in the world, salvation. How do you get saved? And what constitutes a believer from a non-believer? That's what they're going to be getting into. How does a person get into heaven? So if you were to ask yourself these questions, how do you get saved? What constitutes a believer from a non-believer? 
And how does a person get to heaven? See, this is a dispute that exists today out there. What happens, people have a hard time accepting the free gift of grace. Surely there must be something else to all this, people say. But see, grace is the gift been paid for by Jesus Christ. In Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. First, by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. What's it to, what is it to argue about? What is it to discuss? Other than we just believe what the scripture says. People find a way to argue with God. They find a way to argue with scripture. So as we get in here to Acts chapter 15, let's look at verse 1. This is what the type situation we're going to run into here. And it says, While Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch of Syria, some men from Judea arrived and began to teach the believers, Unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. You have Jewish Christians, also known as Judaizers, who had come to this congregation in Antioch. They had traveled from Judea, what now is Israel, up to what is now Syria. And they began to teach a doctrine telling the Gentiles that they must submit to all Jewish rituals, including circumcision. They must follow the law of Moses in order to be accepted into the church of Jesus Christ. But Paul had already taught in the city of Antioch, and he says this, Brothers, listen, we're here to proclaim that through this man Jesus there's forgiveness of your sins. Now this is Acts chapter 13. We've already studied this, but he says he was there to tell them that this man Jesus was there to forgive them of their sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. Something the law of Moses can never do. And yet, these individuals were teaching unless, look at verse, verse 1 again, unless you are circumcised as required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. They put a condition on who was saved and who was not saved. There are churches that exist today that put conditions on salvation. They put conditions on baptism. They put conditions on communion, which we're going to be taking communion this morning. For example, if you're not baptized into a certain church, you cannot take communion to that church. If you were baptized in another church, they won't accept your baptism. That's not scriptural. That's getting to the same issues they're dealing with here. They're setting the rules of who is saved and not saved, even though the gospel has been taught very plainly to these individuals. So they're saying, these people cannot be saved unless they do these things that had nothing to do with faith. 
So this is an issue that could not be ignored by the leaders of the church. It was an issue that dealt with the core of Christianity. And it had to be resolved. See, these Judaizers, these Jews that spent their entire life prior to becoming a Christian, following the rules and the regulations of the Pharisees in the law. It was over 300 and some odd. And they just couldn't wrap their head around the fact that all you had to do was have faith. See, it was all about faith alone, grace alone, and Christ alone. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is about faith alone, grace alone, and Christ alone. It's not about following rules and regulations. See, the Gentiles were responding to this message of redemption and forgiveness because they had never heard something so refreshing. So here the Judaizers are saying, wait a minute. I've been religious all my life and these Gentiles have been pagans and you mean they can come to the church just like I can without following all these regulations? And Paul and Barma said, yeah, that's right. Because it's about grace and it's about faith. So in verse 2 of chapter 15, Paul and Barnabas disagree with them, arguing with them. And this was such a severe disagreement that the church decided to send Paul and Barnabas, the church of Antioch decided to send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem with some other believers to talk to the apostles and elders about this question. So they sent them back to Jerusalem. But you see, Paul and Barnabas were defending the truth. They weren't going to accept that someone began teaching false doctrine and say, well, we'll just have to let this go because we don't want to run anybody off. They defended the truth as we read about in Jude. So they confronted with love and they dispute with them in love and try to correct them so the church there sent these men back to jerusalem to meet with the apostles and the elders so you just can't you can't agree to disagree on this this is a factor of salvation so when these men return in verse 5 Verse 5 of chapter 15, it said, When they returned to Jerusalem, they were met by Judaizers there in Jerusalem. And so as they got there, it said, Then some of the believers who belonged to the sect of the Pharisees stood up and insisted the Gentile converts must be circumcised and they must follow the law of Moses. So basically their teaching was this. Gentiles are free to come to Jesus but they have to follow the law of Moses to do that. False doctrine. And Paul knows what's going on. He used to be a Pharisee. As he talked about in Philippians 3 and verse 5. But this is what Paul found out. And he learned this. He knew that Jesus was his salvation. Jesus is just not the way to his salvation. It is his salvation. Jesus. And he wrote this in Galatians 2, and verse 15 and 16. He says, You and I 
are both Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ. Look at that. Again, over and over again, when the gospel is taught, the gospel emphasizes a point. Faith in Jesus Christ makes you right with God. Not by obeying the law, and we have believed in Christ Jesus so we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ. We're made right with God by our faith. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Why do we insist in many churches having rules to follow, to be a member of that church? Why are they insisting on having rules to say you're a member? What constitutes being saved is that I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I believe that he came to this world as an infant, grew up to be a man, died on a cross for my sin, and walked out of a grave. And how do I know if I'm saved? There's the question. I know I'm saved because I have the DNA of Jesus Christ living within me, and that is his Holy Spirit. My son is back there. How do you know that he's my son? How do I know that he is my son? Because my DNA is in him. My DNA is in him. That constitutes him being my son. He didn't look like me. He's not built like me. But he does some things like me. He's not... Uh, he's not exact representation of me. Thank goodness. But he does some things like me. I've been told he has some mannerisms like me. That isn't because he's not 100% like me doesn't mean he's not my son. So we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. His Holy Spirit comes to live within us. Do we, are we perfect just like Jesus? Does everything we do come out of us like Jesus? No, because we're human. But His DNA is in us, and we're going to exhibit different parts of our lives that look like Jesus. It's just a hope that we eventually get more acting like Jesus, and we become an, a representation of Him. That's what He wants. But because we are human, and we are failures in a lot of what we do we're not going to be a hundred percent like jesus until we meet him in heaven it doesn't mean that i'm not his his dna is in me that makes me god's son see when they get to jerusalem here in verse six paul and barnabas presented the issue so it said, the apostles and elders met together to resolve this issue. And it says, after a long discussion, Peter stood up and addressed them. He said, brothers, you all know that God chose me from among some of you long ago to preach to the Gentiles so they could hear the good news and believe. 
Now, I want you all to look at verse 8, and that's one of those passages of Scripture. If you underline your Bible, do it. God knows people's hearts, and He confirmed that He accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as He did to us. Now, He says God knows people's hearts. He made no distinction between us and them. Now, here's the part to underline. For He cleansed their hearts through faith. Who did? God did. He cleansed their hearts because of their faith. It's not anything that they did to earn God's cleansing. It's because they believed in Jesus Christ. So here's the kicker right here in verse 10. So Peter says this, So why are you now challenging God? Some verses say, why are you putting God to the test? Why are you challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor their ancestors were able to bear? And he's talking about the old law. We believe that we all are saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. That is the gospel. We're all saved by grace. And I'm telling you now, people have taken Scripture and made it very complex and very confusing. If you have a pamphlet that explains how you get into a church, you need to throw it away. Only only publication you need is God's Word. Christians are made right by faith alone. And God cleanses our heart. So the the issue they're dealing with here was they've got to deal with this false teaching. They've got to deal with these guys that are trying to bring more into the gospel than God put there. You know, Jesus had criticized the Pharisees for all their rules. They couldn't keep any of them. And they, and they had no love and compassion for sinners. Jesus addressed that. Remember what Peter says here. We believe that we are all are saved the same way by the undeserved grace of Jesus. So everyone listened in verse 12. As Paul and Barnabas told everyone there about the conversion of the Gentiles. And then when they finished, James, the brother of Jesus, stood up in verses 13. And he said, Peter has told you in verse 14, told you about the first time God visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for himself. And this is the conversion of the Gentiles, exactly what the prophets predicted. Then James quoted Amos chapter 9, as it was foretold by God that the Gentiles would be brought in and be saved. So in verse 19, James makes this statement. So my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write and tell them to abstain from eating food offered to idols, for sexual immorality, and from eating the meat of strangled animals and consuming blood. For these laws of Moses have been preached in Jewish synagogues in every city and every Sabbath for generations. See, James went to Scripture, not just giving an opinion. And I want you to look at verse 22. 
Then the apostles and elders together with the whole church in Jerusalem chose delegates and they sent them to Antioch of Syria and Barnabas to report this decision. And the man they chose, they chose Judas, Barabbas, I mean Barsabbas, and Silas. Now, and it says when James brought this up that it pleased the apostles and elders in the whole church. So that meant the Judaizers were corrected and they accepted their correction. So they dealt with a problem and they didn't cause any more dissent because they realized through the teaching and through the love that they were wrong. So here's the letter that they took with them. The letters from the apostles and elders, your brothers in Jerusalem, it is written the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Sicilia. Greetings. We understand that some men from here have troubled you and upset you with their teaching, but we did not send them. So we've decided, having to come to a complete agreement, to send you official representatives with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives in the same for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now on down to verse 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than these few requirements. And he goes on explaining what they agreed on. He said, if you do this, you will do well. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Unity. Unity was achieved because those who were in disagreement got in agreement because they didn't ignore it the church leaders did not ignore the problem he said what has that got to do with us it has all everything to do with us because we see the gospel being distorted in different places we need to know what the truth is you see, when in verse 30, when these messengers got to Antioch, it says, there was great joy throughout the church that day as they read the encouraging message. They found out that they were still saved. They didn't have to do anything else. They found out that their faith was enough. Some of you may have come from a background where you just felt like you couldn't do enough to measure up to Christ. Because you were told at every turn, if you do this, if you do that, you're in sin. And if you don't ask for forgiveness... Before you go to bed at night, you're going to be without hope. Grace. Grace is what we've been given. Not to live in fear. Not to live in fear of breaking rules. We have been given grace by God to help us understand how much he loves us and how much he wants us to be his child 
In every passage we read this morning concerning salvation, it all had to do with faith. It all had to do with belief. It had to do with love. Faith alone. Grace alone. Christ alone. That's the message of salvation. And anything else is stepping outside the boundaries of what God taught. So as we look at that this morning, it's important to go through these studies because God intended us to go through them. That's why they were there. And in our church, we always go to God in prayer and always go to the scripture to resolve a problem. And that's how leaders of this church will do. There are things that may have disagreement about, but it never can be over salvation. That's what we learned here this morning. Right now, we're going to partake of the Lord's Supper together. I hope all of you have a cup. It has the wafer and it has the juice and the, all in this. We're going to take this as a body. Anyone who believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior can take of this communion this morning. It's open to all. You'll peel off that top layer. You'll get to the wafer. Right now, let's pray. Father, we're grateful of how much you love us, how much grace you extend to us. And Father, I, I pray this morning that we look at the message of salvation and know it, it is one message in one way, and that's your way. And Father, as we look at how conflict within your body is to be resolved, that we, it's always through love and it's always through your truth. And now, Father, as we take of this bread, as Jesus told his disciples in that upper room, as you take this bread, remember me. Remember me. Father, we, we take this in remembrance of the sacrifice of your son on the cross. In Jesus' name. Now let's take of the take of the uh, fruit of the vine here. Pray again, Father, as we take of this, we remember the blood shed that washed away our sin. And we rejoice in that, Father. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> this morning after we leave the sanctuary we have a meal together in the back we've had a Lord's Supper together here right now we're going to 
have a supper of fellowship in the back. And I invite all of you to stay. Whether you brought something or not, it has no bearing on it. There's food for everyone. We want to have a time to fellowship and talk and just get to know one another better through the love of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to bless this food and then the worship team will, will play us out. Father God, we thank you for this church. And Father, we pray that we always here put your word is truth first above everything. Your truth. And we thank you for the time to fellowship. We thank you for the time to further our meal together. We ask you to bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.